Hello, friends. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Axe. Syracuse Sports is presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider of SU Athletics. Life after Aranda Gadsden. And when is college game day going to come to our cité? A couple of things we're going to talk about today here on Syracuse Sports. A couple of reminders, though, right af- off the top here. Uh, we want to hear from you. Our voicemail line, 315-552-1964. You can al- always, anytime, leave us a voicemail. You can hit me anytime on Twitter, Brent Axe Media. You can email the show, B-A-X-E, at Syracuse.com. Lots of great ways to get in touch with the show. Please uh, follow, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts to make sure, you know, they say to be a leader, not a follower. In this case, we want you to follow. We want you to subscribe. So make sure you're doing that. And guys, about this Saturday, after the Orange take on Army, Emily Liker and I are going to do our Syracuse football postgame pod presented by Krause Health live. That's right. Do it live. We're going to do it live. And we're looking forward to doing it live. Uh, if you kick it old school, remember the post-game shows from years past when we would do it live on Facebook and YouTube. We're going to do it again. Now, if you listen down the road, it's a Sunday afternoon thing for you. You've been enjoying getting it the next day. You're still going to get it on the pod and all the places you've been getting the pod recorded with Emily and I. But we're going to kick it live on Saturday after the Army game and uh, looking forward to it. All right, so I wanted to look at a few different angles of the Aranda Gatson story. Now that the dust has settled, Dino Babers has talked about it, Garrett Schrader's talked about it, the receiver room in particular, and we're going to hear from one receiver coming up here uh, about filling in that role for one of the top flight receivers in college football in Aranda Gatson. So we got the news, of course, a couple hours before the Purdue game. There was a hint maybe he could be gone, certainly a while. But to get that jarring news that he's out for this season, you discover what kind of injury it is. And we're going to talk about that a bit here in a minute and how serious it is and how serious the recovery is from that injury. It's really starting to hit me. And I think it's starting to hit you like, wow, what what does this team do without a Rondé Gatson? Particularly because the Purdue game, oh boy. The wide receivers certainly failed the test in the first game officially without OG, as Dino Babers was asked about this week. Uh, Coach, what do you expect from your other aspects of going to help replace the production that Ronnie Gadsden was putting up before? Catching the ball would be great. That's a good start, especially because Garrett Schrader put the ball on the money, and they're all guilty. Hatcher dropped a, a touchdown pass, Alford. Jones, you name Brown, you name a receiver out there. They either dropped the pass or th- things were just out of reach that, you know, are in that kind of 50 50 ball range that you just got to come up with. Now, the answer to that was Garrett Trader ran the ball 25 times, a Syracuse school record for a touchdown uh, for a quarterback, four touchdowns in that game. LaQuinn Allen had a nice game, don't get me wrong, 162 combined yards. He's continuing to show the kind of weapon he could be, but. Uh, Garrett was kind of feeling it after that game. Uh, I've been better. You know, it was a physical game. I'd rather not do that, but, I mean, we did what we had to do to get the win, so that's good. Uh, we did what we had to do to get the win. Physical game. Army, physical team. You don't want your quarterback as good as he is, and as much as Purdue gave him an easy pass to run around the field, 
on Saturday, you can't have it. So let's start and look at that wide receiver room. I had a conversation with Damian Alford, who I think steps into that number one receiver role. Does he think he's the lead guy now? Can he take on the number one role? And what happened against Purdue? Here's a, a it's only a couple minutes here. Let's listen in to a little conversation I had with Damian Alford this week. All right, so let's rip the bandaid off. Guys had a lot of drops, some issues. How did you talk through it? What did the film show you about the performance? It just shows that we could have took the top off if we if we caught the balls that were supposed to be caught. Um, the goal this week is just to come into practice and make those catches, make sure that it's stuck in our head, and then going into this weekend and making those catches when they count. Did the environment have anything to do with it? Night game, lights, different. They had a lot of turnovers. Was it all slippery, something weird like that? Or? It was just one of those games, I guess. Uh, it's stuff happens sometimes. You have bad games, so it's just it's just a matter of bouncing back from it, not letting that affect the next week, and just coming in the next week versus Army and just playing football. That being said, you know when the passing game is struggling like that, to see Garrett go out and have a game like that, that mm-hmm. what does that do for the offense to see him out there, kind of charging in? It, it gives us a boost because at the end of the day, as receivers, we gotta we gotta catch and we also gotta block. So if we, we weren't catching the balls that were supposed to be caught, but we were still giving our hundred percent every rep, so. And Schrader was opening up on the run, so it was good to see. You guys knew going into that game that OG was out. What's just been the adjustment there, knowing that he's he's not gonna he's gonna be around, but just mm-hmm. not on the field, which is a little different. Uh, they're not really in a, an adjustment because we, we just gotta play football. Like next man up, that's the mentality we got. OG, we're sad that he's down right now, but we just gotta keep pushing through and just play football. Do you see yourself now as kind of the leader of, of the receivers? Or? I've been seeing myself as a leader. I, I'm pretty sure the guys look up to me as a leader. I gotta stay strong mentally for them when I'm on my when I'm on my low, and when I'm on my high, I just gotta bring them up with me. So that's uh, Damian Alford uh, this week, and I think Alford rises to the top, but he's got some competition with Donovan Brown and Isaiah Jones. I I think Omari Hatcher is Trevor Pena coming back into the mold here. There's talent in this receiver room, and I don't think they're going to collectively have as bad of a game going forward as they did against Purdue. Maybe it was, look, I think they knew during the week, but the reality set in that OG wasn't there. I don't know what it was. It certainly wasn't the lights at ross Stadium, but the numbers tell you, just by math and percentages, that the receivers are going to have a better day because I think Jason Beck and Garrett Schrader did a good job spreading the wealth, getting those guys the football, they just had one of those days. You heard Alford say it there. There's too much talent in this receiver room for them to continue to have bad days like that. Now, will better defenses, more physical secondaries, particularly Army as a physical team, Clemson the week after that, challenge these receivers? Yeah, certainly the competition is going to step up here. But look, Alford's a big target. He gets open. He had a great camp. He's been up and down this year. He's made some great catches, particularly on the sideline against Western Michigan, but he's dropping touchdowns as well. I think Isaiah Jones is electric. He gets open. He had that high-flying catch against Western Michigan right in front of the end zone. I love his mentality. I think he's a little banged up right now. I think he had kind of a lower body situation going on against Purdue, so we'll see how healthy he is and if he. I think he's going to play against Purdue, but... He had an injury situation last year, and before that, you, know, you had Michael Johnson, the wide receivers coach for Syracuse football, telling Dino Babers he's the best receiver on the team, better than OG last year. So I think Jones, provided he's healthy and can continue on the path he's on, 
becomes a viable target. I love Donovan Brown. We saw the catch-and-run touchdown against West Virginia, the breakaway speed. You know what I really love about that kid? He has that fine line between cockiness and confidence. He does not talk like a freshman or a young player or an inexperienced guy. He talks like somebody that's been in the lineup for four years. And I love it, and I think he has breakaway speed, as does Hatcher. Like, Hatcher, just watch the game. The guy just flat out gets open. He just gets open. He dropped a touchdown against Purdue. The good news is he's finding separation. He's getting open, right? So you have a good mix of receivers there. Does Trevor Pena come back? Do you start to incorporate Dan Valari? I think you obviously have to with a Ronde Gatson out. Start putting in some of those gadget plays. Start incorporating Valari there. When does the big target, the 6'6 freshman David Clement, start to work his way on the field? Like, that's seven guys we just talked about there. OG's tough to replace, but the talent is in the room to do it, and Schrader talked about the faith that he has in the rest of this group. I mean, we're good. I mean, it was, it was a happening. And um, those guys, nine times out of ten, they make those catches, and for some reason, I don't know what it was. But, um, no, we're good. Just working on Army, getting ready to go, and getting ready for that game plan. So there's Garrett Schrader talking about uh, the rest of that receiver room. So you got to hope, like, Purdue, as Garrett referred to it there, was a happening, was the the bottom, you're working your way up from there, and the adjustments have been made in the passing game going forward. And I am going to take that leap of faith at the risk of uh, freezing cold takes, circling back here and, and pointing about how wrong I was. There is talent in that room. They just might have to fall back on more of a committee approach till somebody emerges as that top target, which Schrader and Aronde Gadsden had certainly established. Okay. The injury itself. Now, I am not a doctor. I just play one on the internet, right? But it's called Lisfranc. It's a foot joint type of situation. Here's what Emily Liker wrote on Syracuse.com this week about the injury, okay? It's an interesting situation in that OG saw, who is considered one of the top specialists in the country, Dr. Robert Anderson. He is considered to be the top foot and ankle specialist out there. There is a laundry list of NFL players, including Aronde Gatson's father, when he played in the NFL back in the day, that have gone to see Dr. Anderson, Richard Sherman, and not just foot injuries. He went there for a torn Achilles. Cam Newton had a Liz Frank injury back in 2019. There has been, there's a great article on ESPN.com that I would encourage you to look up. It's from a few years ago. It's linked in Emily's story on Syracuse.com. He's the guy. Like, you've heard of Dr. James Andrews, who specializes in certain things. Dr. Anderson's the guy. That's the good news. What could be the bad news, or at the very least, intriguing news, the thing to follow about this, Gadsden, as Emily writes here, faces a lengthy recovery of up to 10 to 12 months, including five months with screws inserted in his foot, which he got surgery earlier this week, three months of no load bearing on his foot. That recovery timeline means he will not be available for any pre-draft workouts from an NFL standpoint. We'll talk about that in a second. Or Syracuse football spring camp. Deuce Staley had to retire after getting this injury. Cam Newton was slowed down by this injury. Top level in top shape NFL guys. is a serious injury with a serious recovery time. The good news is, though, he got the top guy 
to work on his foot, right? So can he recover in time? Which kind of leads us to the next thing here. Is he going to the NFL draft or not? In his statement that he put out Saturday before the Purdue game, he even referred to it. Now he said he's not thinking about it right now. Gatson said he's going to be around the team. His dad told Emily on Syracuse.com he essentially kind of wants to be a player coach with these guys, help his teammates from the sideline, be around. That's good. You want his presence there. You want him to tell those receivers what he sees. But that's tough to do, to replicate what he says versus what he does on the football field at this point. So that injury sounds serious. And the recovery time, like no load bearing. You can't basically be on your foot for three months. He's going to get the screws taken out. And then you're trying to get back into game shape. You're trying to get back into football shape. And that takes a long time. So if I'm an NFL team and I considered Gats in a top 10 prospect, and this is a guy who's 6'5", 216. He's an ideal slot receiver at the NFL level. He had 28 catches of 15 yards or more last season. He is an off-the-bus, looks-like-an-NFL prospect, right? Is there enough film, though? Because what you're drafting now, if he stays in the in, potentially in the draft, if, if he doesn't come back to Syracuse, if we've seen the last of him in a Syracuse uniform, you're drafting on upside potential and trying to forecast what he would become as opposed to this season, which was going to solidify what NFL prospects already thought about Aranda Getz. And you know the size, you know the speed, you know the NFL acumen from his father, but you had to see it this year, particularly with this, okay? Now, we started to see this at the end of last year anyway, but this was a season where everyone's double-teaming, taking shots, taking pops at him, trying to take him out of his game. He was still getting open even in the short time that we saw him this season because that's life in the NFL, game in and game out. How do you handle being the number one target of an opposing defense week in and week out, because that was not the case last year. It really took until the Purdue game and kind of beyond that. I remember Schrader was in and out, so that kind of affected things as well. But the secret got out on Gatson pretty quick, and that's what NFL teams wanted to see this year as the feature receiver. Can you still get open with the attention that opposing defenses were going to give to you? He can't be in any of those pre-draft workouts. Now, look, there have been players at Syracuse in recent years. Sean Tucker did not go through a lot of the pre-draft stuff because what we learned eventually was a heart condition, right? Doesn't get drafted after projected to be, according to some, a third or a fourth round pick. He's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andre Sisco went down with a season-ending injury. Trill Williams went down with an injury, and he's not currently in the NFL as we speak, but was on the Miami Dolphins roster for a couple of years. Effie Mellon Fonwu went through injury. This is not unprecedented that a Syracuse player that is, and not all injuries are the same here, but have suffered torn ACLs, season-ending injuries, get drafted, show their stuff, they're still in the National Football League. Gatson is just a prototype slot receiver, and I think there's, if he was in the draft he would get taken. There's a big difference between what he could have worked himself into, potential late first round, second round pick. PFF rated him last year as a top 10, coming into this year, I should say, as a top 10 wide receiver in college football, right? This is such a huge decision for him to make. We'd just do backflips if he decided to come back for another year and prove in 2024 what he had to prove this year, right? That is a big decision for him to make. And he's got his father who played in the NFL and his NFL contacts. 
Um, he's got the right people in his ear telling him what to do. So I think he'll have good advice, but they can't guarantee him anything. This is not like, you know, when Judah Mintz went through this in basketball and it's a shorter draft, there's only two rounds and you get some really blunt feedback about whether you're going to be a first round pick or not. If Gatson just wants to get drafted, he'll get drafted, even with the injury situation. If he wants to be a first or a second round pick, he's got to come back to Syracuse next year. So how Syracuse adjusts to this in the short term and which one of those receivers steps up is fascinating. The recovery from the injury, what type of injury it is, what we're learning, the fact that he had to see the top specialists in the country, that is fascinating to me. The NFL aspect of it, how they view it, it's a very significant storyline. I mean, it's part of football. Injuries happen, but this is big time. This injuries that just reshapes the entire thing and reshapes the entire outlook of what Syracuse football's offense could be. We brought it up earlier. This cannot be the Garrett Schrader show where he's running 25 times a game. His receivers got to step up, catch the football. I think they're going to. I think they're going to. I'm going to put. I'm going to. I'm going to put my faith out there. I'm going to steal a line from Dino Babers. You got to have faith, right? Or George Michael, if you prefer. And I think there's. I think these receiver. This receiver room will step up and, at the very least, give Garrett more options than having to run the ball so darn much against Purdue. That is Aronde Gatson. What about a little television show making an appearance in Syracuse, New York? Are we ever going to see it? Let's talk about it next. <laughs> Oh, but wait, there's just one more thing. Picture this, Syracuse fans. It's a college football Saturday. You turn on ESPN at 9 o'clock. We're live. The crowd goes wild as the camera pans over a mob of fans jumping up and down, splashed in orange. Otto runs along the crowd, gathering as many high fives as possible. Syracuse University cheerleaders fly through the air. Students mug the cameras with their signs, trying to go viral. Reese Davis looks into the camera with the JMA wireless dome in the background and says, Welcome to College Game Day, live from Syracuse, New York. When, oh when, will Reese, Pat McAfee, Coach Corso, Herbie, Desmond Howard, and company come to Syracuse for College Game Day? You know, Syracuse is one of seven Power 5 schools that has not hosted the show. Made famous, of course, by Corso's headgear picks. Cal, Duke, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Virginia are the others in this uh, club no one wants to belong to in college football. Now, we came close last year. Syracuse had been put on alert that it was one of several schools being considered to host game day prior to Notre Dame coming to the JMA Wireless Dome. Syracuse even put out a call to Dome staff and to beef up security on the quad for what was to be a high-profile campus event. And Syracuse lost to Clemson, and game day chose Deion Sanders and Jackson State. If it's going to happen in 2023, if game day is going to come to Syracuse, well, there's only one game that makes sense, and that comes next week. Clemson-Syracuse is set to be the noon game on ABC. If Syracuse is still undefeated at 4-0, and if Clemson can beat Florida State, then there's a possibility they could be coming to our city. Now, look, there's some stiff competition 
USC plays Colorado, and that might be too spicy to pass up, even though game day was just in Colorado, because as we have discovered pretty early on here in the Coach Prime era, Coach Prime equals prime ratings. Georgia visits Auburn. Kansas, who's currently 3-0, takes on Texas. LSU, Old Miss, all seem like prime opportunities. Now, Notre Dame goes to Duke next week. They've never been to Duke, game day. But Notre Dame is featured on game day this week playing Ohio State, so I don't think it'll be Duke's turn next week. After Clemson, the only two home games remaining on the Syracuse football schedule are Boston College and Wake Forest, and I think we can assume that's not happening. Look, game day is more about just the circus that comes to town when it's here. It's a status thing. You do not want to be on the list of schools that have never hosted college game day for football. Game day's been here plenty of times for basketball, but never for college football. It would not signify that Syracuse football's all the way back, per se, but to be considered for game day two years in a row and for them to finally come to Syracuse, New York. Well, that's a good thing, right? That's a true sign of progress for Syracuse football. And if anything, it would finally answer the age-old question of how we would get Lee Corso into the auto costume. That's Syracuse Sports. We thank you for watching and listening here, and we want to hear from you. Get in touch with the show. Leave us a voicemail at 315-552-1964. That's 315-552-1964. You can always hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, or the email is bx at syracuse.com. Always love to get your feedback about what you want to hear on the show, talk about on the show, and with the voicemails, what you think of the topics on the show and your opinions on that. Don't forget, live post-game show, Emily Liker and I, Saturday, we're thinking probably about 5.30-ish. Just keep an eye out for the notifications. We'll tell you on social media when we're going live, and you can still hear our post-game show on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as this very podcast as well. If you do listen in Apple, please leave us a review. That would really help, and we appreciate you being here for Syracuse Sports, which is presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider for SU Athletics. We appreciate you hanging with us, folks. We will talk to you next time here on Syracuse Sports with Brent Axe.